His word is true. His word never fails. His word's forever settled. Heaven and earth may pass away, but his word will not pass away. Amen? I believe the word of God. I want to take a few minutes, and we may turn it to Bishop and or Sister Schoonover here. We're just so good to have them with us tonight. And uh, what a privilege to worship the Lord together. I feel the sweet presence of the Lord. I was, we're diving in right now, just in case you're waiting. Um, Second Kings chapter 5. Uh, it's been a privilege to gather together with different ones through the course of this week, each morning. As a reminder, uh, Saturday morning will be all family prayer at 6 o'clock. Um, in prayer Tuesday morning, I knew the Lord was leading me in some things. We may talk about that a few minutes here. Second uh, Kings chapter 5, a familiar story to many. says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable. Because, notice this, I've read this a lot of times, I don't know how I missed this. By him, the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. The Lord gave deliverance to Syria through a man that didn't even worship him. It's a side note, you can chew on that, but... By him, the Lord gave deliverance to Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper, verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captives out of the land of Israel, or had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, Would God, my Lord, notice Lord, lowercase, so she's speaking of Naaman, who is her master. Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, that's Naaman, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed, this is Naaman, he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come to you, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may recover him of his leprosy. It came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man does send to me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeks a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore have you rent your clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now, we're not going to read the whole chapter for sake of time. I'm going to give you the cliff notes of the rest of it. Naaman went to Elisha. Elisha sent his servant Gehazi out and said, Go tell him to dip seven times in the Jordan and he'll be clean. Naaman was angry. He said, Aren't there better, cleaner rivers in Syria? And why am I? You're going to tell me to go dip in the dirty Jordan? And he went away angry, the Bible says. Bible says he thought he had his own idea about what the man of God would do. He thought, and his thoughts got in the way, and he was angry because of what he thought. And he went on his way. One of his servants said, you know, if he would have asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? And he reasoned with him, and Naaman went to Jordan and dipped seven times. You know the story. He came up the seventh time, and his... Leprosy was gone. His skin was new. He was clean. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you thank God for that? I don't want to talk about Naaman tonight. I want you to go back with me. Now you know the whole story about Naaman. You know what happened. You know 
I want you to go back with me to verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out by companies. They'd gone out to war to fight and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. You know, it's funny to me, the Bible doesn't even tell us her name. It just calls her a little maid. I don't know if that means she was little in stature or if that means she was little in age. I don't know. Um, I haven't studied the Hebrew word, and it probably wouldn't reveal much anyway based on the way the Hebrew language works. But it just says she was a little maid, and I don't know that she necessarily wanted to be where she was. It's hard to me imagine, for me to imagine that she wanted to be there. She was taken captive. She wasn't there of her choosing. She was there possibly against her will. But it would seem that God had a plan for her being where she was. In spite of her being there in captivity. Naaman and the armies that he led, the scripture told us the Lord by him had given deliverance to Syria. Well, apparently someone he'd warred against had been Israelite. And this little maid was a captive. I don't know how that works. I don't know if he thought, you know what? My wife needs somebody to care for her. We could use a little help cleaning the house. We could use, I don't know. I don't know how she ended up there other than that she was taken captive. I don't know what his thought process was. I don't know. But I believe God knew. And so this little maid ends up there. I don't know how much of a voice she had. Clearly we see that her, her service in the house was to serve Naaman's wife. Whether that was to her directly or helping her with... It, it doesn't matter, really. The fact is, she was there. The fact is, this was her job now. You ever not like your job? Three of us. Okay. Let's <laughs> you ever complain about where you are on your job? You ever complain about ending up in the middle of a circumstance that you really didn't choose to be in? You ever tell God how wrong it is that you're in this place when you did nothing wrong and here you are and there's this heathen guy and you're having to serve them and this is so wrong and out of order. I'm just an innocent little maid. I mean, I haven't said that, but maybe. And here I am in this place working every day. And I know I'm a child of the Most High God. And these heathens, they go to this temple of Rimon and worship Him. And I'm a servant of the Most High God. And they don't even recognize. And I, I'm just, I don't have, you know, little old me, just no authority here. I'm just doing my, I just don't want to get in trouble. I mean, after all, I'm subject to my master. I don't, I wonder how long the little maid wrestled with, I, I should say something. I, she was as human as you and I are. And I, I, would dare, I would dare assume that her circumstance may have been a little more restrictive than our circumstances at times. Like she may fear for her life if she said the wrong thing. I don't know that, but I wonder. And I just imagine in her humanity hearing that he was a leper. I'm, I'm sure everybody knew that, right? It sort of gets around. There's. I wonder how often she wrestled with the thought. Man, if he would just go to Samaria. I just believe in the power of God working through the man of God. If I, oh, but man, if I said that, and 
what if I say that and they think I'm crazy? Or what if I say that and they go and nothing happens? I mean, what if, what if I, do you think she reasoned all that out? Do you think she had any thoughts like that in her mind? Do you think, or do you think she's just bold faith, little maid there serving everybody, been taken captive against her will and didn't even consider the consequences if something didn't go the way she thought? I think she did. I think she probably reasoned it out. I wonder if maybe she was in the company of Naaman every once in a while and she thought, I'll tell him. No, no, no. No. Maybe I'll tell another servant, the servant that's closer to him, and he'll say something. No, no, that, that might mess up the... Uh. Over time, she built a relationship with his wife and she finally thought, I can't be quiet anymore. I have to say something It could be. And somewhere along the way, this little maid got the boldness, this unnamed, no face, no name, there against her will, probably separated from those she'd rather be with, but in a place of God's choosing. We didn't read the rest of the story. You can read that later when you go home tonight. Read the whole chapter and, and watch the chain. We may touch on it. I don't know. But here she gets the boldness to say to his wife, you know what? Notice her words. I would to God that your husband was with the prophet in Samaria because he would recover him of his leprosy. Somewhere, I think maybe just maybe in her little closet of prayer, she began talking to God and believing again that he's Jehovah Rapha. I've heard, I've heard that. I've heard when they came out of Egypt, he said he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. And I know about what Elijah did. I heard those stories from my family and the prophet Elisha's there now. And, and in the mantle, I heard the story of how the mantle fell on him. And I don't know what she'd heard, but something gripped her heart in her place of communion with God that she got the boldness to say to Naaman's wife, I would to God your husband would go to Samaria because if he would go, there's a man of God that would deliver him from leprosy. Now, what do you think happens if he goes and nothing happens and he comes back? You think she considered that? I would imagine she might have. Until she got to a point where her faith was in God and she could no longer keep silent. But she had to open her mouth and declare what she knew to be true from her time with God. And so this little maid with no name, with no face. We see no familial history here. We see no pedigree here. We simply see a lady of God. We don't even know her age. We see this lady of God, a God of Israel that has a confidence in Him and the man of God that says, I'm just going to say what I have to say. Tuesday morning, in prayer here, it was like, I don't have the greatest memory. I have, a, and the older I get, the worse it gets, my wife tells me. Or she doesn't tell me, she just reminds me. Helps me remember stuff I forget, so she's my helpmeet that way. And, and so, but as I was praying and talking to the Lord, I don't always do this, I don't want to pick some paint some picture to you like I do this all the time and oh what a nice guy all the heart is don't misunderstand me this is just where the Lord was leading me on Tuesday morning and it has stayed with me through this week and then the Lord on Wednesday started talking to me about this and and so as I was praying the Lord I began calling some of your names out and in calling out your names it was like I was seeing your workplace and I was I was praying for your coworkers that I don't know, but that you know. And believing and recognizing in the Spirit that God has set you where He set you, as sure as He set that little maid in Naaman's house. That was her job. And on her job, she had to open her mouth and say some things. And she had to fear repercussion. She had to risk it for the sake. She had two choices. Be silent and watch my master be shunned and die of leprosy, or open my mouth declaring the power of God, and watch what could happen in his house. She had a choice. 
I walked and I prayed, Brother Juan. I prayed for the people at Pexco. I know that God's given you an open door. I know you talked about what's happened in the break room. And I begin to, I begin to call out names that I could remember that you've shared with me. I begin to think about the new boss you have that God's put you there. You, I don't, I'm just sharing some stuff I know here now, so you have to bear with me. Brother Juan said the boss requested that he would be the one that would come and work for him. He didn't want anybody else. What is that? I'll tell you what that is. God is saying, I so intend to get you in front of the person I've destined you for that I'll have them ask you to be there in my company. You're there with purpose. You're there by God's design. You've got to know that and recognize that. When I sent that message out to the church on Tuesday morning, it wasn't just a casual encouragement. There were some things I was feeling in the Holy Ghost that there was going to be open doors presented to you on your job. And if you would just recognize it and speak, it wouldn't be forced. It doesn't, it doesn't become forced. But God would confirm His Word. But we got to have boldness. I got this text. I have permission to share it. I'm hurrying. Here we go. I got this text. Good morning, Brother Hart. I will share you something today, something with you today. Today, my coworker was sick and she couldn't breathe very good. I asked her if it was okay to pray for her. And she said yes. I told her to put her hands on her chest. And the other hand on my hand, we were wearing gloves because of our job. And I prayed for her in front of my coworkers. I'm shaking after I prayed. God gave me boldness. To God be the glory. I love this. It's a bell. <laughs> so I know who it was. Brother Abel is telling me, I was talking to him tonight. He said, man, I've been sharing the word of God. I've been teaching. I've been just talking the scriptures. What happened? He realized I'm not at Centos just to deal with washing machines and cleaning rugs and uniforms. But God, just like he took a little maid and put him in Naaman's household, he took Brother Abel and put him in the middle of Centos and said, there's a people there that I've yet to reach. And you're going to speak the word of God. And if you'll speak what I give you to say with boldness, it could be that Naaman could be recovered from his leprosy. You understand leprosy re represents the uncleanness of sin. Leprosy was a type and a shadow of sin in the Old Testament. That's why they went around saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. I don't think it's coincidental that we find this little maid saying, if he would go to the man of God, God would recover him of his leprosy. You understand, you and I have that spiritual authority if we'll yield to the Holy Ghost and speak with boldness that God would deliver people from their spiritual leprosy. Their uncleanness. Your workplace is no different than hers. You know, Joseph was at work in Potiphar's house. Day in, day. He didn't choose to be there. There's not a one of us that chooses to be at our job, but we, you know, we're sort of slave to the paycheck. Joseph didn't choose to be in Potiphar's house, but he determined, I'm going to live my life as unto God here. And in living his life as unto God, Potiphar saw the blessing of God on his house. And Potiphar elevated Joseph to run his house. Joseph became the manager of Potiphar's business. I don't know what his business ventures were. Bible doesn't tell us. See, we, we read the history of people of God, and we don't see ourselves in their story, but we have to recognize he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And Joseph became, it was like, Joseph was like the CEO of Potiphar Enterprises. You understand? 
I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to get you in today's terms so you get a different view of how God places you somewhere. Joseph was the CEO of Potiphar Enterprises. And Potiphar saw some things there. He recognized it. He trusted him with everything. He trusted him with everything. And then we know the story. Potiphar's wife lied on him. But I believe with all of my heart that Potiphar knew good and well. Joseph didn't do what she said. Because I believe if if Potiphar would have believed that Joseph did that, he would have had him killed. He wouldn't have sent him to the king's prison. He sent him to the king's prison. And isn't it interesting? In a few more years, we know the story of Joseph's life. Joseph even served in prison. Some people would say, man, he's just a brown nose. No, he wasn't. He understood. If I'll keep my life in alignment with God and I'll submit to the authority, even when the authority is one I would not choose, even when it's a heathen authority, as long as I'm not violating the word of God, if I'll submit to his authority, God has a plan and a purpose for where I am. What's ironic to me is to consider the very thing that Joseph being where he was when he was elevated to second in command, he would have become the savior of Potiphar's house. I'm telling you, your workplace is designed by God. Brother Joel, you taking that job wasn't a coincidence. I know you know that. God set you somewhere. He sets you somewhere with purpose. He needs and desires and wants a witness throughout the valleys. And we're always like, man, where can I find that spot? I'll tell you where it is. It's in your workplace. It's that coworker. Why is it we have so many people working in the medical field? Well, because that's where hurting sick people are. There is divine placement. Why is it that we have people in the school district? Because that's where teaching takes place. little maid. So what do we have to do? We have to pray for boldness of speech. We have to pray for boldness of speech. The We read it, uh, just one other place here in Scripture. Acts chapter 4. I'll read quickly for time. Verse 7. Acts 4 and 7. And when they had set them in the midst, this is after Peter and John went to the gate beautiful, or went, the lame man was there, and they said, we don't have silver and gold. What we have, we give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And he did. And so now they're asking questions. This miracle of the Lord has taken place because two men of God spoke the word of faith. So now all the religious leaders are trying to figure out what's going on. The high priest and all the others are going, hold on, what's happening? Now this is the same religious leaders that took Jesus and crucified him. So they understand there's some risk involved with opening their mouth. We remove that element as though it's not there anymore. No, that element is there. There's risk involved. And when they had set them in the midst, Peter and John in the midst, they asked, by what power, by what name have you done this? Now, you've got to know, there would be a moment to entertain the thought. Man, do we really, is this, we're standing here in the midst of all this council. Are we really going to open our mouth and say that it was Jesus and risk our necks? I think at this point they were past that. Because they said, Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we today are examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel. He's not pulling any punches. He's not withholding his words. He's declaring in faith and in conviction that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and just in case you weren't sure, whom you crucified. See, he's calling them to task. I want you to know it's the one you crucified. What is the Lord doing? The Lord through Peter is trying to bring them to a place of conviction. Conviction of the choices they've made. And so Peter has to speak boldly. And that's exactly what he does. 
the one who you crucified, who God raised from the dead. By him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you, builder. He's calling them out. He has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now we quote that, we declare that, and we believe that. But you got to see context for where Peter and John are when he's saying that. He's standing in front of the high priest that was just responsible for crucifying Christ. And he's saying, you crucified him. He was the Messiah. And by his name, this man is whole. And he's the reason. And I'm telling you, there's no other name but his name under heaven whereby men must be saved. There was a boldness that came on Peter to declare the word of God. Now watch verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter. Hear me. We talk about speaking with boldness. Boldness is visible. It's not arrogant. It's not self-focused. It's all about him. Here's the difference. In Acts chapter 8, we find Simon the sorcerer in Samaria. When Philip comes there. And the Bible says that he bewitched the people, making himself as though he out as though he was some great one. See, when he operated with boldness, he sought to draw attention to himself. And that was the distinguishing factor. Peter and John weren't trying to draw any attention to themselves. They're drawing all the attention to the Lord. And so boldness that comes from him, people see, but they see it on you. They don't see you. finish so Peter and John go through all that say they they tell them don't teach anymore in the name of Jesus Peter and John said whether it's right in the sight of God to hearken to you more than men you judge but we cannot but speak the things we've seen and heard so they threatened them a little bit more and then they kicked them out they go back and they tell the people the church what happened watch what the church does the church decides well let's just pray And they had a prayer meeting. And in their prayer meeting, this is what they prayed. I'm giving you the second half of their prayer. Verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. This is where we shy away. No. Behold their threatenings. Do you not think there's a spirit that would try to bring threat to the church in this day, in this hour that we live. If you speak out about the Lord, you'll get censored. You could lose your job. Yep. Well, you need to be careful. You don't want to say the wrong thing. And Hold on. If you're yielding to the Holy Ghost, it's impossible to say the wrong thing. If you and I are yielding to the Holy Ghost, it is impossible to say the wrong thing. Matter of fact, if you and I are yielding to the Holy Ghost and I keep silent, I've done the wrong thing. I have to speak. And so here we see, behold their threatenings. This is, they're praying. They're talking to the Lord about this. Behold their threatenings. And here's what we're asking you to do in the face of their threats, Lord. Grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child Jesus and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with praise God praise God why don't you pray right now Oh, talk to the Lord with me. She was just a little maid in Naaman's house, but she was placed by God's divine design. She was just a little maid taken captive, but she was placed by God's design. I don't care your age. I don't care your social status. I don't care your bank account or lack thereof. 
I don't care your experience or education or lack thereof. We have to recognize as spirit-filled believers, we are placed by God. Our steps are ordered of Him. And there should be an utterance and a declaration that we yield to when the opportunity presents itself. And we speak the Word of God with boldness. That word boldness means without reservation, without hesitation, without fear of consequence that could be damaging to self. Boldness in the name of Jesus. You understand that little maid speaking out became the turning of Naaman and his house. Naaman declared to the prophet, he said, don't, don't judge me when I go into the house of Rimmon. Talked about where he used to go to worship. But he said, I'll give worship and honor to the one true God of Israel. It was turned because a little maid spoke with boldness. Bishop. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Can you put up Isaiah 61, please? Elder Hart has been talking a lot about, teaching a lot about the seed, sowing the seed, and then about the soil. I, uh, I was talking to a man the other day, and he made a statement. There's a park that is near where we live now presently it's called right right park there's some very large trees in the park and they were planted a long time ago and the man said do you know that some of those trees were planted back in the 1800s i said really no kidding that's a long time ago those trees been standing there a long time have you ever seen a big tree i mean a real big tree where's the biggest tree you have ever seen now don't speak it out just Put it in your mind. You got it there? Biggest tree, you remember. I'll tell you where there's one. The six-mile drive out on Point Defiance, there's an old-growth timber laying down. And the bottom is sawed off, and they have a timeline from the edge that goes back through presidents. <laughs> I don't know how far it goes back. It goes a long way. But this is the thought that came to me. We, we talk a lot about planting seeds and broadcasting seeds and spending a lot of time with seeds. Do you know how many seeds it took to grow that tree? One. Just one. One fitly spoken word. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't take a chapter. It doesn't take a full-course Bible study. One fitly spoken seed. And we have the evidence around us of what that will produce. Now, things have changed here in the Yakima Valley. There used to be a lot more trees. Now they grow branches. You ever notice that? Some of these trellis systems, they're just growing branches out of the ground. They don't even have a tree there anymore. There's only five apples on that branch. New technology. There was a day when a seed, you know, sown in the ground, brought up one. But yet that one tree produced hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Okay. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. We have a job to do. The opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give 
unto them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And this is what the Lord wants to do with that few words in a spirit of boldness because we receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon us and we are witnesses to witness every day. I have become infected with witnessing. I want to witness every day. I am witnessing every day. All things are possible to them that believe and that call upon thy name. I believe. I believe that you believe. You believe the word of God. We carry around these Bibles and we open and share and teach and preach. And But do we, I do we, I, I believe we do. I believe we believe this word. And so when we, I don't know why, but I find myself speaking it back to God more than I'm speaking it to others at times. I don't know whether I feel like I have to remind him or I just need to hear it come out of my mouth saying it to the Lord. You are not willing that any perish. That man, Matthew, that just got out of my car, you're not willing that Matthew perish. Matter of fact, you came to seek and to save Matthew because he's lost. And I find in dialogue, in conversation, the word of God filtering through with the truth, that true seed that I know when it germinates, it will produce a tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Let's pray. We're thankful to you, Lord. We believe you. We believe you, Father. We walk in you. It's in you that we live and move and have our being, Lord. And you have placed your, your mantle upon us. You're calling upon us. Your spirit indwelling in us, O oh God. Giving us the boldness of the Holy Ghost. To share, to speak. That one word, that two words, that five words, uh, that spiritual expression of the Holy Ghost that we know will bring to fruition life, 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 the quickening power of the Holy Ghost, the quickening power of the Holy Ghost. I think it was by example. When the Lord said, Lazarus, I mean, can you imagine it riddled through the hearts and minds of everybody there, whoever was there? Lazarus, Lazarus is dead. He's been dead three days. But when the Lord spoke by example, the expression of his spirit, which is a quickening spirit, which is a redeeming spirit, which is a life-giving force, that which was dormant and dead got up. What that examples to me is there are situations that I may view, and maybe they are, they're dead. They're done. It's over. Until the expression of the Lord comes upon us and we begin to speak to that situation. I, I really believe in a quickening power. And I really believe that when we release it, we don't even have to be in the company of situations. The Bible says he sent his word and it healed them. 
I think in my neighborhood. I think speaking in my house. I think praying in my chair with a cup of coffee in my hand. There is a dynamic that begins to take place in that neighborhood. I don't know where it's at, but I can be led of him to begin to speak out his word and call the spirit of God to begin to draw upon my neighbor Lou. My neighbor George. And keep praying to that end. That's the believing part. No. Your word is true. You already settled it. I know this is where we live. I know this is where we live. In the body of God. I know I'm a broken record. At times lately. I keep saying the same things over and over again. And I've come to the resolve that we are so significant upon this earth. The more I travel, the more places I see, the more things, situations that I'm exposed to that are dead, that are dormant. It lets me know how significant every spirit-filled blood-bought, baptized in Jesus' name, believer is. We are so significant upon this earth. If you are, if you are a, an individual, and not only have you applied the redemptive message, you repented, you were water baptized, you were filled with the Holy Ghost, but you have a grasp of that from the Scripture, do you, do you know, do you know how significant of a vessel you are? I, I know, I, I just can't say it enough. I can't ask it enough. I can't try to relay it enough. We are so significant as believers upon this earth of 8 billion souls. We are so significant. We are just a, not even the tip of a pin relative in number to the souls upon the earth. We are significant to God. So if he goes and says, I've searched for just one, I've searched for one man to stand in the gap, to make up the hedge, to stand before the land and me, that tells me as I begin to call out the name of an individual, God begins to move. Not only by the principle, but just by the fact that he said, if I can just find one and I'm just one. And you're just one. And the significance of when you bend that knee and get upon the floor and begin to speak out words towards any circumstance, any individual, when you call a specific Name. When you call a specific name, I mean, think about this. I've said to the Lord, I don't know if anybody has ever prayed for that man. I'm praying right now. I'm standing in the gap. I'm pulling them out right now for you that the Spirit of God would begin to draw, that He would turn to you. Do you understand the significance? What if? What if? You are the only one and ordained of God. God brought you into contact with the situation and you as a significant believer upon this earth, all things are possible to them that believe. That word out. Be led of God. Let Him use you in any situation. I can remember a day when I would read and teach in Bible studies the part, the scripture that said, as it was in the days of Lot, so also shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. It says that about Noah as well. And I'd think, the day's a lot. How's that even possible? Now, I'm going back 40 years. How's that even possible? We're in the day. 
we're in the day. So we're closer to the end than we are from the beginning. And there's 8 billion souls on the earth. And sometimes I wonder when I have met an individual, I wonder if there's been any, you know, I had a grandmother that prayed for me. But you know, there was somebody up line from them, which would have been my great grandparents, somebody, an old time Nazarene had Bible open on the desk or on the table. I can remember seeing it as a, as a first grader that prayed for her. And my grandmother prayed for me. And so I know there's a lot of people in, in the world that I travel through. They don't have that grandmother. They don't have that great grandfather. How do I know? Because we're so few. We are so few. But that's what makes us so significant. Your prayer. Your prayer. I'm not talking about your prayers for you and your prayers for the, everything close to you. But your prayer. Engaging the Lord for the lost. We are significant. You are significant. Tomorrow, 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 when you find yourself turning to God to begin to commune and pray with him, would you remember this? Would you remember just how significant you are? You know, you, you can't go into prayer that way and just kind of just fill the air with noise. You begin to think about every word and how it's directed and where the Lord points you, your attention. You are so significant, not only to God, but to a lost world. Why don't you stand with me? Lord, I want to do my part. That which you have called us to in this hour, I, I want to do my part, Lord. Show me the way. Show me, Lord. Show me my part, step by step, precept upon precept, line upon line. Direct me, lead me, order my steps, Lord. Every day, order my steps every day. Order each encounter, Lord Jesus. Let the inspiration of your spirit be upon my tongue, Lord. That where I go, where I am, I will speak, I will say, or I will pray. And it'll make a difference. It'll make a difference. It'll raise the dead. It'll plant a tree of righteousness. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I'm yours, Lord. Everything that I've got, everything that I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Everything that I've got, everything that I'm not, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours in the name of Jesus. 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 Elder Hart. Amen. We receive this tonight. In Jesus' name. Bishop made this statement. I want to take just quickly and draw attention back to it because there's so much power in it. Declaring the word of God. Praying the word of God back sometimes we ask god to do something his word has already said he will do and so there's power i i have begun praying I, i'm just going to give you a real example okay i go through the, and i'll pray i will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover
I'm not asking God, God, help me to pray for somebody and they'll be healed. You see, the word already says, you will lay hands on the... So I'm praying, Lord, I will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is the word of the Lord. You got to believe it. I, I speak, Lord, I am filled with your spirit. Every gift of your spirit is resident within your spirit. And so as I walk through the day, when you give opportunity, I will operate in the gifts of the Spirit according to your opening and your leading, not anything for you understand. You have to declare the word of God. You have to declare the word of God in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm praying with you, but I can't pray the prayers that only you can pray. With Adrian, I called out the name of Blue Line, but I don't know anybody's name there, but yours and Raphael's. So you got to call out the names. The Martin, Brother Renee, I called out Wapaka. I probably said it all wrong. I called out, but I don't know the name of anybody there. So you got to call out their names. Brother Jacinto, I prayed about all the people you'll come in contact with, but you got to call out their name. But the Nate people that you'll do therapy for, you got to call out their names. Your co- you got to call out their names. As sure as you're significant, as Bishop shared, they are significant to God as well. And so we must recognize their significance. What can happen when we pray? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Take this word with you. And let that which you feel settling upon your heart, that weight of responsibility that comes from the Lord, walk in it. Pray the prayer and watch God be God. Amen? In Jesus' name.